adventure of the world where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-hosts Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman. The animated series as explored by the Literary License Podcast. License podcast, and today is Batman Week, where we'll be discussing four episodes from Batman. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Joe Randazzo with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. Hello, Sean Stefan. Hello, everybody. And Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky. Hey, guys. And I'm your host, Kishago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Joe. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, well, uh, I haven't heard back yet. I, the last time I spoke to you guys, I think I told you I, uh, I had finished uh, writing a piece on uh, Edgar Olmer's The Black Cat and James Whale's uh, Old Dark House, sent it out to a few places, haven't heard back anything yet. We'll see if that changes anytime soon. Um, besides that, uh, you know, last day or two, work's gotten a little better. Uh, it's not as slow as it was. Um, and uh, just kind of chilling and watching watching a lot of uh, a lot of old movies older movies um i finally ripped that band-aid off and watched <laughs> dario argento's dracula i loved it i don't care don't say nothing bad <laughs> I, okay i mean if you love no, it I'm I'm <laughs> there's a whole lot wrong with it but i liked it <laughs> i i i i liked the uh i liked how the uh how dracula's wife looked naked <laughs> if we're gonna go with positives <laughs> like that's that's really about it oh my god the, the depressing thing was watching this and looking at the terrible set design terrible cinematography <laughs> terrible well argento you know acting in argento movies is never the strong suit no, anyway what movie was this when, when did this one come down his career was this like in the mid 2012 2012. Um, oh, so this yeah. is so he made this. He was really progressing a lot. Yeah, I didn't know what he was thinking either, but I really like it still. I still like it. I still well, like this it. One, this one was was them ex the terrible special effects to the terrible uh, CGI, <laughs> early 2010 CGI, and I was just like the depressing thing was watching it and realizing this is one of the greatest horror filmmakers ever. Yeah. And, yeah. This is this is what. Thankfully, Dark Glasses came out and. That's actually really, really good. That was a and good movie. If watch anything but Dracula, if you're gonna watch any Argento, we covered movie. Dark Glasses, didn't we? 
No, no, no. Dark Glasses just came out last year. Oh, that's right. You're the one that got me to watch it. Okay, I don't know why that was stuck in my head. That's the one on Shutter with the um, uh, the prostitute who goes blind. And yes, yes, yes. That was an awesome movie. Killer, which is really, really good. I really liked that. It was a really good movie. But I always found that even even in his quote unquote bad movies, I always found something to enjoy. But this one was just I was just perplexed the whole time. Was it because of the casting, maybe too, or? I mean, the cast, yeah, I had no issue with the casting. I think it was just, it looked like the, the cinematography was just flat and ugly. It was it was really badly shot. The effects were terrible. The set design. I'm going to have to like, go back and watch it with different colored glasses on, I guess. The, the set design looked like it came straight out of like, you know, like like a mid-90s porno. It was it, Maybe Vicky needs to watch without eating gummies beforehand. That's true. <laughs> I know, because I had to rewatch two of the Batmans because I was like high as giraffe balls last night. <laughs> well, Sh- Sean revealed his, his method to me when he does these, and I it's something I might I might adopt for the. We for have the to movies. watch TV with Sean. Y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, besides that, uh, not not much. Um, looking forward to to hopefully work picking up again in the next couple of weeks. Spring is springing, but it still looks cold up there. You could not we- get me to move back north if you paid me. Oh yeah, we we got we got snow oh, yesterday. So yeah, it's still. I it's- saw that. Hell we're getting, we're getting snow here in London. So. I saw that too. Mid March, mm-hmm. this needs to stop. <laughs> I, I know it does. Well, it does. Winter always has to have that last hurrah before spring, doesn't it? Yeah, so. it does. yeah. We just get tornadoes. Like last week, I was not a happy woman, but the house survived. Trampoline's a little beat up, but we survived. Vicky, <laughs> soon to come to you from Oz. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry, you're fine. You're not in a trailer park. God hates no. trailer parks. That's why he sends tornadoes down the middle of them. Hey, I used to live in a trailer 30 years ago. I used to shit bricks, man, when I first came here. I never got used to it. Never. I grew up in a trailer. That's what I'm proud of my white trash trailer. Trash I'm proud of my upbringing. white trash days, too. Let me tell you. I know. Take the boy out of the trailer. Just can't take the trailer out of the boy. That's right. <laughs> <I know. laughs> what about yourself, Sean? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, it's been a busy month for me. I uh, I went on vacation to Vegas. I uh, saw some good shows. If you're in there, I recommend going to a Saw themed escape room. They have a couple of uh, oh, really? horror movie themed escape rooms. And uh, oh my, my god, that would be so awesome! Really? It looks like it's an abandoned butcher shop. It's right next to a horror movie themed pizza shop. There's an iron oh, gate. Shit. You go up to this iron gate. There's no one there, and then all of a sudden you hear like a creaky door open. This person. Some like hipster comes out and says, oh, hey, uh, you're here for the eight o'clock. All right. Yeah, I go in for the eight o'clock. I sit down and it's like an abandoned butcher shop. And I had two other people in my group. They take the first room. It's just kind of a test room. You get to know each other. You have to un- uh, look around for some clues to unlock a lock. And then eventually you enter in a key code to escape to the next room. Eventually you meet a guide who kind of helps you along the way and uh, gives you little tips if you're falling behind. Uh, at some point, she gets kidnapped and then shows up in the last room. It's fun. It's It felt a lot like you're making your way through one of the movies. It's also a really good show. place for an actual serial killer to come in and really do some damage. The, it's not ever cross your mind. The I'll look, die. the sets and everything. It was It was definitely, I took one of those photos. I was like, if I die, this is where I was. Yeah, like, was, yeah, exactly. But it, was, uh, it was a fun experience. I, although I have to admit, you probably should go in sober. I was probably a little too drunk, so when she showed up at the end, about oh yeah, I thought you were dead. Good to see you. How you doing? Uh, 
There's so, no way to stay sober in Vegas, dude. I'm I would, I would, I wouldn't be happy unless I could cut the key, the key out to get out from from behind her eye. And then I know I got the real experience. <laughs> or, or you have to dig through her intestines to get it out. Yeah. Oh. We, this is this is a little bit more PG. It's just can you aim the laser through oh, through some gates and stuff? I, I, want, I want more graphicness in mine. By the time <laughs> the get, by the time I this, the final door, somebody's intestines. I mean, that's I wanna, not a bad. I want to I want to live through yeah. the real experience of Saw movie. <laughs> it's not really a bad idea if you really think about it. You could set it up so if you put the person behind glass or something, right. you could. You could, you know, rig something up where it feels like you're like running your hands through her intestines right, or something. Right. That, that, that oh, actually the old Halloween work. game. Oh, this is the eyes. This is the thing. You have the shape. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, the old Halloween yeah. game. Yeah. That I remember uh, Sean telling me he was going in, and I told him the main thing is don't overthink. These these aren't these aren't written by the by the greatest minds of our. <laughs> are they are they actually difficult? I've never been to one. It, it's it's the only difficult thing about it was it was so dark and my vision is getting shittier and shittier as I get right. older. So I couldn't make out a lot of the stuff and we can't use our flashlights, can't use your phones or anything. Right. So and because we had such a small group, it was a limited amount of people who could actually read it off in time. That was the only real downside of the whole experience for me. Everything else How was a lot of How long did it fun. take you to get out? Uh, the, the whole experience is around an hour. It's about it's about eight minutes per room, and there's six rooms. So it's you get a little bit. Uh, it's it's about an hour long. It we ends with a gift shop. In Dallas, I've got I've got to have to break down and go. I went. I, did, I went with yeah. my nieces. I went to one in um, Bilbao in Spain with my um, um nieces there, and that's what they say it was. They they rushed us through. I mean, I basically like in the room and they got everything sold. It's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still working on the first puzzle. <laughs> All right, ready? Come on, we're we're moving on, moving on. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it if you're out in Vegas. Oh, it sounds like fun. And what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Nothing. I've been trying to get Asher all geared up for MX season. He's graduated to motorcycles, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, he's really he's he's got some serious balance. He's been BMX and since he was one and okay. a half, so oh, wow. we got him a one ten. He graduated. We got him an electric motorcycle. Then we got him a little fifty. Now he's got a one ten that will even let me drive my fat ass on it. It still gets it, but um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be ATVing it though. Got to be some shocks in that bike. Not going to even try to keep up. With <laughs> <laughs> he's such a dick, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're doing with Saturdays now. Now, hopefully, the weather will still stay intact. But um, what is I do? Oh, I started watching History of the World Part Two. Love it, love it, love it. Have oh, you been on that? Halfway through, I oh finished it. I oh, loved my. it. It's fucking hysterical. It's the way comedy should be. It just said. I mean, I think some people are getting a little mad. It's beaten up on the Bible, but I'm sorry. There's so much material to make fun of in the Old Testament. <laughs> the, the the Bible as as a take up for get the Beatles get back. That is a it's the public song. domain oh, the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, oh, it's great. Yep. Still kept up with The Last of Us. I'm really glad the last episode's coming out this Sunday night, I think. Yeah. I'm really not. I don't like where they're going with it, but we'll see if I'm wrong. Um, mm. Let me see. The, oh, for some strange reason, watch The Last Little Whorehouse in Texas. Came upon it. Kept it on. Uh, <laughs> it's, I love that movie. I totally love it. I forgot to see it. <laughs> I just could not stop watching it again and I notice things now when I'm older it's just a great movie it really is um what else did we watch oh 
Uh, Joe turned me on to Robert De Niro and uh, was a De Palma film. Hi, <laughs> mom. Oh my God! And I got Cannibal Holocaust director, which I cannot pronounce his name, is the one that directed this film. Ruggiero Diodato. Yeah, I cannot no, say his name. No, it was De Palma that directed Hi, mom. No, no, De Niro. De Niro. No, wait, I got it mixed up with the De Niro uh, movie was uh, was by Brian De Palma. Right. The, cop, the cop movie. Uh, live like a cop, die like a man. Was like, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got my screwed up. Hi, mom, okay. and live like a cop, die like a man. He was the one that the, the Cannibal Holocaust director did. The yeah. Hi, mom movie, the 1970s. I, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't laugh at it, but they're forcing I, these people in a tour to eat soul food and appreciate the black experience <laughs> while they're while they're raping white women and all this. Other <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? I mean, it it works as it works as a satire on you know the the quote unquote guilty white liberal. Right, it does. You know? Oh my god, it's so funny. That's, I think that's what De Palma was going. I think that's what De Palma was going. We really for. need to examine that movie on this podcast. And then you bring so you know, De Niro playing the cop. Well, they they put all the white people in, in blackface and all the black people in white face, and you have De Niro come out and he can't tell the difference because he thinks the the, the white people in blackface are actually black people and starts beating on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they so, start making him eat all that soul food it shit. Does, it does. And, and they're like, I don't want to eat this. You it does. It, it does make the point. It does. It does make the you know it does make the point of you know the you know the the, the you know the racist cop and everything. So yeah, it's I I'm a it was uh, 1969 or 1970s one of think, yeah one of the first movies. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. know I didn't know it was a comedy uh, because I it was I saw really that, a dark comedy too. Yeah, I saw that it was Robert De Niro as a Vietnam vet who is. Uh, who wants to go into making sex films and it's directed by Brian De Palma. And I see that, okay, he's a little bit of a peeping Tom. I was like, I was expecting it to be a thriller. And I'm like, holy That's shit. That's what I thought. A, this but movie's Laura hilarious. Parker's in it too. And uh, uh, Jennifer Salt's in it. And uh, I, Paul know, Bartel. I talking, yeah. And I was telling uh, that the high, was it Hi Mom? Yeah, it was Hi Mom. Yeah. And um, they, uh, I, I just didn't, I, I wasn't expecting that. You know, remember we, we interviewed Jennifer Saul and she was always talking about how she was so uncomfortable, but she really was talented and could do comedy. I thought she was fantastic in this. And I never, she, she, did, she didn't mention, she didn't mention hi mom and working on that, but did she? I couldn't remember. But, it's been some yeah, years. She since did when we interviewed her. her. But then yeah. I watched the other one. What was it? Now I've lost myself. Uh, live like a cop, die like a but man. That was just hysterical. It was like it was like a real perverted, messed up Italian Starsky and Hutch kind of thing, and yeah. it was it was just fun. It was good, clean fun. And I really my my husband's looking up other titles now because he because he loves that stuff. He's got like oh. seven years on me, so all of that shit resonates with him. So he oh, he loves it. He was my fun. my. My dad used to watch a lot of those uh, those Italian crime thrillers. I remember, like growing up, uh, we had a we had a VHS copy of From Corleone to Brooklyn uh, by Umberto Lenzi. A lot of these guys who were horror directors, uh, excuse me, in the eighties, were making these cop thrillers in the seventies, and they are violent. They are really violent. They're in the thrillers. blood. Oh my god! They ran over the seeing eye dog and killed the guy seeing eye dog and left him in the middle of the road. <laughs> That, that's the thing about these movies 
uh, the the police the police Teshi movies is these chase scenes are so amazing. They yeah. are. They really are. They, I was really. I'm gonna. We're gonna look for more titles. I think help. Worry about it because I'll just look up your list if I want some. <laughs> I, I I actually have a ton of them. Uh, I know you do. I, Keep coming yeah. because I really enjoyed them. There's um I know there's a there's a box set from Severin coming out or it might already be out uh, of the uh, Umberto Lenzi Thomas Millian movies uh, crime movies that they made together. Almost Human is absolutely phenomenal. If uh, if you're looking for that's probably I think I probably the best down. one. Yeah, all, almost human. I'll send you the trailer later. But okay. I think I, almost human is brutal. It's very, very good. Thomas Millian gives a great performance. It's it's a really, really good film. I was just waiting for these guys to start arresting people. They were just fucking people up. Let's <laughs> shoot them. Yeah, they like, I guess they're everybody. not gonna arrest anybody. They're just gonna drop them in the middle of the street. They didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we, we're other than that, we're just kind of chilling out. Oh, we did watch Chris Rock's Netflix special. I would not have wanted to been Will Smith in this country or globally at <laughs> all after watching that. That was an ass beating. It was a deserved ass beating, though. It was I a mean, very deserved. It was ass-beating. a year, a year of pent up piss, <laughs> being pissed off. You, One, almost a year he, to the day. Do you think he was pissed? Oh, well, apparently he's letting it out that he was pissed, and everyone is siding with like, you. Weren't the one who got hit. Why yeah, he goes. Pissed? I still feel it. <laughs> you committed assault and battery on live television in front of yeah. how many million I, people? I enjoyed it because and all your peers. And then you won an award for it five minutes later. So I mean, like it's one. It's one of those things where go away. Just well, go it was away. Well, kind of nice where somebody pick, picks on everybody for a change, just oh, the yeah. way they used to back in the day, because that's the way it should be. <laughs> no butt hurt. But anyway, other than that, Keith, what have you been doing? Um. Well, got engaged. Um, I see. So, yeah. saw that. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so um, Finally. Yeah. Uh, be next year sometime, I guess. Um. And then um, I saw Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann film, which was interesting, a bit long, but it was good. It was too long-winded, I thought. Um, I'm, 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 I'm I just couldn't get time. into it. I tried. Well, I got into it. I enjoyed it. I thought the guy playing Elvis looked nothing like him, but it sounded like him. But it sounded like him. I'm really like going off of Tom Hanks. I don't know. I, I kind of started with Geppetto, and it's kind of moved forward. As so I'm getting like this. Yeah. every time I see him, I'm just like, "Where's Colin? <laughs> Bring Colin! I want to see Colin. Colin's better than Dad." So, <laughs> I yeah, uh, I, I've I've heard he's terrible in this. I haven't seen it yet. I heard he's okay. looking bad. He's, he's, he's okay. I mean, he's got. I the didn't think he was heinous. Makeup I mean, on. No, is he nominated okay. for the Razzie for it or something like that? I've heard yeah, this he's the Razzie, Razzie yeah. yeah. I, I heard the what? accent in the Honest Trailer earlier this week, and I this is the first for, thing for, I've ever heard of it. What, for Elvis or Pinocchio? Elvis. Uh, for Elvis. Uh, I've heard the Geppetto, but, but the, uh, the I, I Colonel think Tom. he got a My double God. nomination for Elvis and Pinocchio at the Razzies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because, because um, Pinocchio didn't the, do well either. I was kind of no. surprised about that. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, I, I think the problem with Pinocchio is that the stuff that was really, really good in Pinocchio, the original, they took out. And they added like new yeah. these new songs and and then, I mean That's last true. thing you, they did. last thing you need is Tom Hanks singing. I mean the I mean I really I didn't liked hate it, um, it though. I hated it. Oh, I I didn't hate the film. I, I enjoyed bits and pieces of it. I loved the cuckoo clocks. I thought that was fantastic. Right, right. That was in the first ten minutes. So, um, I mean then they get like Cynthia Envo coming in, who's got a beautiful voice, and she sings like two lines of "When You Wish Upon the Star," and it's like yeah. that was a waste of time. What the fuck was she doing there? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. 
and and then you know it's like oh you know now they're going to boys town and they're gonna drink root beers like oh how scandalous you know it's kind of yeah. like uh well it was a different spin on things i guess but well, it, it, i mean to be honest I, I, if you're gonna act like an asshole i don't think you're gonna be an asshole by drinking root beer root are beer. you root beer float <laughs> doesn't scream like dickhead does it <laughs> He's yeah. a dickhead. He's drinking root beer. So go oh, turn into a donkey. So, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tom Hanks is acting. I'm finding it's like he's he's starting to become characterizing himself. It's a bit like you know, like you know, Dustin Hoffman after Rain Man, everything he did after Son like Rain Man, and mm. I know he's he's becoming. Well, like you know, so I think after a while, you know, you've had a good run, and that script just doesn't come along yet. That's going to do you well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Elvis has his problems. With, I guess from the simple plan thing is that it tells the story from Tom Parker's point of view. And we all know that Tom Parker ripped Elvis Presley off. I mean, another thing is Elvis Presley wasn't a bright person anyway. He's pretty stupid, but um, he's very talented, just not very bright. So, I mean, I, I think, I mean, everyone was ripping him off left, right and center anyway. You know, he's kind of like has, you know, Michael Jackson cronies hanging around. He's like, oh, yes, you're wonderful, Elvis. Yeah, you have some more pills, Elvis. Yeah. Can I have a kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like those kind of people hanging around him. So he had, you know, he always had users and his dad was a user, you know, it was an asshole. And everyone around him had gambling debts that Elvis was paying off. So so you kind of get that storyline. But but then you also get the whole Baz Lerman quick editing and a lot of flashing cameras and a lot of Moulin Rouge kind of editing. And I thought it was just it. a weird movie. It just, I don't know. It yeah. just didn't represent Elvis to me. He was, I don't know. Well, I, I think, I mean, to be honest, the best Elvis movie about Elvis is Kurt Russell, that TV yeah. movie that he did um, that was directed by John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah. Carpenter. Yeah. That was a good yeah. one. That was a good so, movie. And he looked like. I remember yeah. liking the uh, uh, El- El- Elvis meets Nixon, the Michael Shannon Kevin Spacey movie from a couple of that years ago. For really liking mm-hmm. that one, yeah. I saw that. And, one I mean, he, that. and he really can't get a better Elvis than um, Bobo Hop Top. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually or, uh, or John uh, Kennedy for that matter. <laughs> for yeah. Yeah. John <laughs> Kennedy is a black man. <laughs> I was actually uh, I was actually suggesting that to somebody the other day who told me that they uh, they love all the Evil Dead movies and they love Bruce Campbell. I was like, oh well, you got have you ever seen Bubba Hotep? And he was like, no, I never heard of him. Like, go see but yeah, see Bubba <laughs> Hotep. Whatever means you can, see Bubba Hotep. It just got a re-release, so yeah. If you've never I remember seen, when he started yeah. going getting on all the what was it? Well, this was after all of his other movies, but he was on all the Xena. The, he was a what was his name in Xena? He was like one of my oh. favorite characters in Xena. He was a real pain in the ass. Well, he oh, had his, God. but he had his own show as well, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he had Briscoe Briscoe he County Junior. of Briscoe County. Briscoe County. Yeah. So. yeah. That and was like some weird the, uh, steampunk cowboy show or something like that. I remember. I, I, I vaguely remember it. And then he had that show on FX where he was a has-been. Um, oh, and yeah. he was in Hawaiian show. Burn that was, was, yeah, yeah, oh he, my God, yeah, he was, was good that? in that. That was good, too. So, But I, I like him now. I mean, apparently he doesn't do anything unless you pay him. So if you want him for an interview, you have to pay him. So Bruce Campbell? <laughs> oh, he charges yeah. for interviews, too? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I mean, we should no call problem. him up. I bet you he won't charge us. Now, will, will he, when he's paid, insult you for the entire interview like he does at everything he does? Every convention, <laughs> every q I would pay him to insult y'all and leave me alone. <laughs> Especially well, we don't have we have to pay, give up retirement money. We don't that. have to pay him to um, insult Vicky. We that's what that's my job. 
I made that lot. That's not my last lesson. That's now that's lot. just one of your missions in life is to make me miserable. That's what it, precisely. You know what, though? If you if you can if you can get to that point like Bruce Campbell has, where you can get paid just to talk to people, fuck yeah. it, do it. I wish I, I wish I could get paid to talk to people. <laughs> you know, no before shit, you, man. I could do it all day. Bucks, you want to talk to he me? Gets, five minutes, fifty bucks that, right now. It's not just he's getting paid to talk to people. He's getting paid to talk down to people. That's the thing. I'm not. I can't. I can't let this out. Uh, get off this. He is well, insulting. If you think about it, Don, Don Rickles had a whole career of doing that. So. That is true. That is true. But you yeah, knew what you were getting for. You, you're, oh, I want to see my hero. I love Ash. Oh, I love him. And then, ah, who are you, you little twerp? Yeah, that's the best question. That's like people interview Rob Zombie. They, they, they're, after they do it, they're just like, oh, fuck, man. Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> well, like, well, Rob, apparently, as long as you don't insult any of his work, he's fine. As long as you yeah. tell him his Halloween is perfect and it didn't suck balls at all, <laughs> you're in. Hey, is anybody You're, going to see 65 million this weekend? Uh, no. It just, I, I like dinosaurs. I, I do want to see it. it looks I don't think anyone's going. I think everyone's going to see Scream. Is yeah. that this weekend, too? That's this weekend. Yeah. That, that's the big yeah. one this weekend. Is that the one that was released by accident onto the internet? The ending was, uh, Sean actually managed to avoid it. So don't I don't know. I don't know. So don't worry. I don't <laughs> I, 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 I have a reading it in a comment section. I will say this. The last screen movie when it was in theaters, I was sitting there, I had avoided all marketing, all advertisement, all everything. There was this one woman, I think her name was Perry something. She's she does the talk, she's one of the talking heads that does the commercials before the movies. She basically spoiled where the the climax of the movie was taking place. So immediately I'm like, who I've been avoiding all the thing. I'm like, oh, so whoever owns this location is probably yeah. the killer. Whoever lives there is the killer. Great. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Is and this so, the last bit for the franchise or? No, no it's no, it, no, it's part of a trilogy. This is a part of a trilogy. So this is a new trilogy. Part. Yeah. Yeah, the second the part. Requ the requel trilogy or whatever the they're going to call it. Yeah, the reboot, 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 whatever. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Scream 7's already greenlit. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Boy, why can't we come up with an idea that has seven or eight sequels? We wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation. I can tell you that we'd be somewhere yachting. Well, we, or, or, we, yachting. We, we, or we would, but we'd be getting so much money for our podcast being on a network that, like, we wouldn't have to do anything else. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And on that note, that brings us to Batman the Animated Series. Our first episode is The Clock King. After his company goes bankrupt, Temple Fuget becomes The Clock King. Fuget sets out to seek his revenge against the man whom he blames for his misfortunes, Mayor Hamilton Hill. 
Ooh, I just lost the page. Oh, yeah, here we go. Fugate kidnaps Hill, intending to do away with him to accomplish his revenge. Batman must stop Fugate from carrying out his revenge and save the mayor's life. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of the Clock King? This one is a fun little origin story, man. Uh, yeah. I was watching this one last night. And, I mean, it's predictable because as soon as you hear the mayor tell him, take your co- <coughs> excuse me, take your coffee break, break at 3.15 and just kind of lighten up a little, like, oh, everything's going to go bad. Just crumble. The second he does it, and <laughs> he's going to blame the mayor or uh, blame this lawyer, this lawyer who eventually becomes the mayor a few years later. Oh, wow. Um, fun little, fun little story. Um, fun little introduction. I like the rooftop scene after he, uh, he causes the traffic jam and then drops the uh, time for a change banner. Sean yeah. and I were, were watching this last night. and We both loved how he escapes by telling Batman the 316 train always runs six minutes early. Early. Backflips off the building, lands on the train, and just waves at Batman as he goes away. Fucking perfect. I, I, uh, I've seen that so many times in different movies. I want to say it was like uh, Val Kilmer did it and maybe The Saints or, or, or Wesley Snipes did it and one in like U.S. Uh, U.S. Marshals. There's stuff. There's always that escape scene where they're just kind of we, flying off or, or whatnot. When we watched, uh, yeah, when, my mind. U.S. Marshals, Wesley Snipes definitely does it. I've never seen the Val Kilmer version of The Saint. Um, so I don't know if he does it there. I doubt George Sanders did it in the 40s. <laughs> Do what? You guys lost me. Do what? Uh, with, onto a train during the um, the clock king escape. I have faith. I know. I, I it's all about time, and I'm I'm the master of time. Right. He's a fascinating yeah. villain. He really is. Just I like, like him. He's, he's there's, a, there's only one issue. Cat. There's only one issue that I have with that scene. He goes off the same side of the building that the <laughs> car was on. So where the fuck was that L train? <laughs> <laughs> They said that the big goof in this one is that the big clock at the episode's climax features uh, that 11 reads as IX should be XI. Oh. So they had a oopsie there. I didn't notice oh, that. So it, said, so it says 9 instead of 11. Okay. Hmm. I mean, it's a great setup, too. The, the way he sets up the mayor to be uh, crushed by the clock hands. Uh, yeah, totally I thought he was. Just, yeah, that was a really ingenious Penelope pit stop moment. I thought for the mayor, <laughs> it was it was good because he was you know he looked certainly should have just tied him to the tracks of the train. Same concept, right? <laughs> well, that would have been good too because unlike you, the train will run on time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I kind of also like the simple fact that his intelligence was what was beating Batman, which was quite a nice little. You know, he it wasn't like get the henchmen out, henchmen fight Batman. Well, well he wasn't his good. typical stupid villain. That's he's got a little more common sense to his prime. He knew every contingency. He knew every single one of Batman's contingencies when he locked well, him he, in the vault. He, he plans everything out. Well, that's well, that's the thing. He's not going to beat Batman fist to fist. Yeah. Now. You got out yeah. thinking, and it's what he did. He did it in such a way that it, I mean, it was fascinating to watch because. I, Batman's been down and out. He's had his, you know, he's gotten his comeuppance every once in a while. This was the first time that I felt like he was out completely outthought. And he, eventually he he, uh, he wins in the end, but he, I mean, sucking out of the oxygen out of the room. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you 
17 more minutes than, than you have. To yeah, and then don't go touch that because it'll vibrate and blow up. So he's anticipated every move that Batman's going to do. A master of time and a master of, of planning. I mean, he's, he's a very good uh, supervillain. Of course, they had to have the one statement, I'm here to clean your clock, you get, you know. He doesn't <laughs> say that. It's only a matter of time before we see him again. Yeah. yeah. I hope yeah. so. Oh, I do too. Me too, me too. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I haven't seen these hardly at all. These have been fun. There's a villain later on that uh, has already worn out his welcome with me. We'll, we'll talk about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ferris is mentioning also a simple thing about the gas and the gas mask and, uh, and it basically incapitating um, Batman as well. I mean, that was, I mean, because not many people can do that with him, basically, like, put him out for a couple weeks. Oh, yeah, there's another interesting little thing. So the Clock King's real identity is Temple Fugit, whose name is an allusion to the Latin expression... Tempest Fugit means time flies. That oh. whoever wrote this did their homework. <laughs> they they always work in those they always work in those puns like Edward Nigma E Nigma is the Riddler. Yeah. Like, no. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this the first time the Clock Kings ever appeared? And I mean, I'm, I've no. read a lot of the comic books, but this is the first in, time um, I. Uh, he was in the '66 series. Um, oh, was he? Uh, yes, he was Adam West. Yeah, he was the. Is it uh, Walter Walter Slezak, I think played him. Let me double yeah. check. Yeah, he was definitely on the uh, Adam. Clock West King, nineteen sixty six, Batman. I know. I love the way that he looked like an accountant as well. I like that idea. Yeah. He looks like an accountant. An accountant beats Batman. He's just always yeah. standing stoic, completely still, hand on the umbrella, just the same position every time, much like a second hand, just standing at attention. It's I fascinating. thought this was kind of a goofy episode in the beginning, yeah. but it did kind of kind of normal out with intensity yeah. as it went through. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, like I heard the first I go. <laughs> and, then I, and then it got really interesting. So, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. But yeah, I just Googled it. It was uh, Walter Slezak played him in the 66 series. Okay. We have, we have another actor coming up that was in the 66 series too. Yes. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking as I was listening to these the, these last few episodes, no one can ever do this like Kevin Conroy did. Oh. I just don't I, it, I There's don't a really um there's a really good YouTube um channel about Kevin Conroy's career because you know he was in Dynasty. He was right. Steven's boyfriend <laughs> in Dynasty and and then wow, I, I, I forgot watching, about that. You are right. And it, and he's also in he's also in Funhouse. He plays like six or seven different parts in um and um Fun the Toby House. Hooper Funhouse. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. We have to revisit oh, that. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching. Um, I'm gonna have to check that out. Timelines, yeah. and they're doing um 1981 part two, when they're doing all the films from that year, all the horror films that came out, and this is part two of it. And they mentioned what that is that? Kind of, um, Funhouse. Toby Hopper's Funhouse in 1981 right. is a horror film. And Kevin Conroy plays um, five different parts in it. Oh, wow. I'll have to revisit that, to that too, because I don't yeah. remember. I've seen it, but I, that didn't register in my brain when I was watching it. But this documentary, I'll find it and I'll, um, I'll, I'll forward it to you. But it was quite interesting because it talked about, like, you know, his father was an alcoholic and how, was, how he found it difficult being gay and all the other stuff. And it was very, very interesting. So, so. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him anyway, because I mean, he's the ultimate yeah. Batman. But after watching that, yeah. it's like, oh my God, he's, he's very, very talented. 
and about like um, how he got like a full scholarship to um, the performing arts because of his acting sort of thing. So that's amazing. Our next episode is Appointment in Crime Alley. With the help of arsonist, Roland Daggett plans to destroy Crime Alley and use the land to expand his business empire. Batman must stop Daggett's men and also save a captured Leslie Tompkins, who helped a young Bruce Wayne cope with the loss of his parents. So, Sean, what are your thoughts about Appointment in Crime Alley? This one of the four, uh, it was interesting to me, probably the weaker of the four episodes. However, I do like the character of uh, Leslie Tompkins. I do like the fact that it's the one kind of motherly figure that Bruce has left in his life. Someone that he can connect with his parents, looks after him in a way. She's supposed to be there when his parents died, because I've seen a couple different episodes where it looks like somebody else is comforting young Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's she's essentially a doctor friend of Thomas who, who worked with Thomas Wayne and has kind of been looking out for him. She knows him very well. She knows the Wayne family very well. And we eventually find out no, she's kind of the one who's been patching up Batman when when Alfred when you're not seeing Alfred doing it. It's Leslie Tompkins. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. OK, That's, you know, when they when they go to Crime Alley at the end and lay down the flowers, it's it's implied. Yeah, we, right. we, we know. I was going to ask you guys about that because. This, these are all like new for me. And yeah. so when she puts down the flowers, so she knows who Batman is. The, the, yeah, the, because because yeah. she meets because she meets with him once a year. He's late okay. for his appointment, so they can lay flowers on Bruce Okay, Wayne's see, face. I thought she was talking about Bruce Wayne, not Batman. Okay, that's well, well that. because that's the reason why Batman shows up um to for his appointment. And that's with, how he finds Batman. out she's yeah. been taken. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, what I also like about this is it actually gives us some more of the turmoil of a young boy losing his parents, but in a yes. different light. So we don't get, and that's what I quite like about Batman animated series because the movies kind of do this wrong. We have to like replay this scenario over and over in the movies. And every time they do a reboot of Batman, we have like, okay, well, here's parents are dying again. Yeah. But I like the way that the series doesn't do that. It's like, okay, we know that you know. So therefore what right. we can do, like we can add to it and give you your emotional residence through other ways the nuances everything after joe chill everything the growth of him into batman you get to see the boyhood because the way it you're right the way it's done in the movies it's the the uh, parents get killed then you jump and he's in his early 20s and he's thinking about dropping out of school and wanting to shoot (laughs) wanting to shoot the mob boss or or kill the guy that killed his parents Mm -hmm. you don't have that natural like angst of being a child and dealing with all that stuff and i i And there's and it, it, that shows that you know it takes a, a village to raise a child, and and, and so yeah. you kind of get that in the animated series where you don't get oh we get all you know you know um, 
Alfred. Alfred. But it's quite nice to be able to know that, like, there's a Leslie Thompson there that was there. Yeah, as well. somebody there's else that cares about Lu- it. You got him, you got a Lucius, you got a, it, the, the yeah. slowly, but sure, it's not the official Bat family, but the Bat family is there and it's slowly growing. You get to see that he does have a support system in place. The other thing that jumped out at me and I just couldn't escape it just because the voice is so distinct. Daggett hires the lead weasel from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I can't unhear that voice. Okay, I was that voice. Hey, I'm just waiting for him to just start calling for the dip. But stop laughing. There's something. Oh my god, I was going to ask you guys because I knew that. Stop laughing. One of the whole time. It's in my head. I'm just like he hired the weasel. Was he Nitro? Nitro. Yeah. Nitro. Okay. I was like, go. I knew that voice. David L. Lander is his name. David L. Lander. Uh, and when it but, comes yeah. to Daggett, I know he's, I know Ed Asner plays Daggett, but yeah. Daggett pops up a lot, doesn't he, throughout he the is a re- He's a reoccurring corporate villain, like the evil corporate type. That you, you, they're always there, to, has his own scheme, try to steal Bruce's plans, try to steal his inventions, trying to one-up okay, him. Okay, okay, I was trying to put him in the timeline and in context. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, okay, he's gotcha. like the crime, he's like up there with the crime boss, but he's like the corporate crime. Wait, okay. David, David L. Lander, like Laverne and Shirley, David L. Lander? Is that who the voice is? I, I believe so. And, yeah. also, twi- and also Twin Peaks. Squiggy. Squiggy. Yeah, he was Squiggy. Yeah. yeah. Squiggy, yeah. I, I get, let me look, because I'm like, is that... <laughs> so I, I, the only David L. Lander I know is from Laverne and Shirley and Twin Peaks, and is it's he the voice be, of... Yeah. yeah, Nitro. So... Yeah, but, um, it's him. Okay. Oh, it is him for sure. Okay. So we get two yeah. back-to-back Twin Peaks uh, things between this one and uh, and Alice in the next one. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's jeez. The whole time I'm just like, oh, it's Lucy. Is she dating Andy? Where's Andy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I, I kind of got. I really kind of. Um, I, I did kind of enjoy the. Uh, I guess it's not nostalgia, but just the fact that you have your big. You got your crime fighter. And he still grieves so for his parents, and it's so recurring. And it just—it seems like that is his driving force, I guess, for Batman, isn't it? In just about everything, Absolutely. even in the movies, isn't that oh, where yeah. all of his everything comes from? From that one incident, transforms his life into being the crime fighter. And you see even it if- again in this. And I, I just—I—I I like the little old lady in that he do- does have somebody that cares about him, and it kind of it kind of offsets the violence that's going on because it is a pretty violent cartoon. But you know what the best part about these were is I was actually watching these eating a bowl of cereal on Saturday morning this weekend, some of them. But uh, it, it's, it's that kind, gives you that kind of feeling watching these. I think that's why I like them so much. It's like I also like the, the social the social commentary that it has going through, you know, in the slums and the people living in the slums and how they're disposable. It, it, it kinda, and... It's addressing it really kind of addresses shit too. It does, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the beauty of the series is so far, from what I've gathered. What the series is good at is is addressing a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean it brings up everything. The cool thing about you know, like, like Keith was saying in the movies, we kind of it kind of feels like sometimes we rush through. The Batman art because it's just like it's got to be done. At least when you have a long form series like this, you have time to kind of let everything breathe a little bit. Yeah. So you can just show little snippets of some part of the aftermath of uh, of uh, the Waynes being murdered. Um, and yeah, you're right. We haven't. I don't think we have seen it on the series. One yet. thing that gets me confused, and I know you boys know better than me. 
was his father a decent person or was he kind of sketch? Well, his I father, mean, it depends on which version you're watching. In this in this era, he was a decent person. In okay. the last 10, 15 years or so, they've changed him around to have more of a darker origin or a secret life. Uh, there, there's the, the Court of Owls arc, which I think is what they're doing with the new Batman movies. It's basically an Illuminati founding okay. fathers of Gotham type group and he, that he was a member of. And he double crossed them and ended up getting killed as a result. So it's kind of eliminating the random chance of Thomas Wayne's murder in the newer versions. It's of just it being a random act of violence, which kind of which a lot of people don't really like because it kind of makes Batman more determined as opposed to an act of fate that he exists. Um, Well, it kind of changes changes thing where it's like instead of like fighting injustices, now he's trying to fight the wrongs his father has done they're so slowly kind of, hinting at it in the new oh, movie oh is that what they're the sins of the father that? and all that stuff yeah yeah wow so, it's and that's the that's a that's the robert patterson batman yeah. that's one, the, and they're so i think they kind of hinted it there's a i think they're alluding to hush uh thomas elliott's character or um the uh the partner of uh bruce wayne uh who was killed his son basically starts cutting off people's faces and grafting Bruce Wayne's face onto his. Really? So, so, and starts going out in public and acting like an evil Bruce Wayne. Uh, they can go down that road. But yeah, there there is a lot of, they've tried to make it so that Thomas Wayne, and re- at least in recent years, Thomas right. Wayne was not so nice and was not as innocent as he led, led to believe. And I think that's more of a carry on about how we in society have difficulty trusting corporations. So it's it's leading it's leading more to our beliefs today. So they're kind of trading, bringing that into. Well, they don't make it really difficult not to trust them. I can tell you that. (laughs) Well, just have a Coke and a smile. You'll be fine. (laughs) Don't be advertising. Don't be advertising. Well, this brings us to matters a hatter. Miserable Wayne industry scientist Jarvis Tetch is unable to pursue the girl he loves, Alice, the secretary. When she splits up with her boyfriend, he makes an advance and develops a fast friendship with her until her boyfriend reconciles with her and proposes her proposes to her. Enraged, Tetch decides to take matters to his own hands and duns the mantle of the Mad Hatter, using his mind control devices to force those who have wronged him all his life to become his mindless slaves. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Mad as a Hatter? Well, I thought seeing as Roddy McDowell was in this one, you would want to talk about it first, but I'll go. <laughs> I have a, a hard-on for Roddy McDowell. I've always had. I don't know what it is. You know, whether he's dressed as Cornelius or whether he's in Night Gallery, no matter what he appears, Roddy McDowell can do no wrong in my eyes. Oh, I don't know what right, he's in that great Night Gallery piece with the... Uh, the mm-hmm. painting that where the, the yeah. yeah shit I forgot about that that's another great Roddy McDowell the painting thing. kind of shows what's going on and it keeps creeping on him and then he looks yeah, at the, it and it's changed again that is freaking awesome I'm gonna have uncle, to find that now dead uncle or dead mm. it's the it's the movie it's the the the, the yeah, pilot movie 
the night yeah, the one with one. the one with John Crawford in it. Yeah, one. the one where she. Came, oh yeah, that is one of the best. It's a it's a four ever. part it's a four part movie, and uh, Steven Spielberg's one of the directors. One of his first gigs. I'm gonna yeah. have to rewatch that. It's been a long time. No, I really enjoyed this one. I think it was one of my. I think this was my favorite of all of them because you had Loretta Sweat. It took me a while to figure out who that was, and uh, we had Roddy McDowell's The Mad Hatter. And you know you felt you kind of felt bad for him because he's this nerdy scientist and he's got this cute little you know she's probably seventeen well I guess she's got a job so let's say it's call her eighteen the bird but uh, he's he's kind of madly in love with her and she's not you know giving him the time of day she's got her gorgeous fiance on the side but they take the whole thing takes off on the Alice in Wonderland theme and I thought it was a brilliant little cartoon how they wrote this out I enjoyed this one a lot. I mean, you can almost tell what's going to happen because he's trapped, trapped under the Jabberwocky model, I think it was. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And he he quotes all the Alice in Wonderland stuff, and he's talking. He's got the sadness of the mock turtle, and, and he, I mean, it just does it all. Carpenter, you get all that. It's, it's fantastic, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's an good. excellent episode. I really, really enjoyed this episode, and I, I liked how they had the ten slash six on the hat. You know, and how he was, you know, put, I was trying to figure out, I guess it was just emitting EMF or something. It's, I was going to say, it's electrode, and that's the cartoon logic. If you have <laughs> electrical stimulants on the side of your head, it will control your brain. It's cartoon logic. Yes, it should not work. That was, I mean, I was trying to figure it out. It's just like, how, what's, how's he going to make these work? But I mean, like I said, it's got to be EMF. It's, it's, it's EMFing you. So... I enjoyed this one a lot. I enjoyed it a lot too. This it, it's, a, yeah, yeah, this one this one is a lot of fun, and you know, like you guys were saying, it's uh, you know the, the the show has uh, you know does tackle things that before we had a word for it. You know, the Mad Hatter is an incel, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so I love going, Mad Hatter. You know, ends up going crazy, and we know, are going to see more of him, right? I hope. Yeah. I okay. can't remember actually. I mean, because Roddy McDowell, when did he die? I think he did, he died in the like 90s. 2001, I think. Or 2001. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so let me look. Get more I'll, of I'll look it up real quick. So we might get more mm-hmm. of him. Uh, so, but yeah, Roddy. I mean, he was only like 65 or something when he died, too. I remember that. He died yeah. October well, 3rd, 1998. 98. Okay, so I wasn't that far mm-hmm. off. But he he was not that old when he died. No, he was only 70. Wait. No, he was six. Yeah, no, he just turned 70. Yeah, okay. he was only six. He wasn't that old at all. I don't think it's that old. Then again, we're well, looking at Well, I mean, film. I guess he, I mean, the thing is, he's he's been, I mean, he started out in like Lassie. He was like best friends with Elizabeth Taylor. So I'm kind of sometimes wondering if there's something wrong with him. But because all her friends are something a bit wonky with him, isn't there? Well, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still reading Hollywood Babylon. I'm sure I'll come across something juicy. So well, <laughs> that, that, Hollywood Babylon really covers like the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, yeah. like more than unless that. you get this, unless you get the second one. If there's, oh, second, I've, got, I have, I've got the second yeah. one on order because I just could not put yeah. it. I've sent that book to my mother, my 91 year old mother i will just go mom this is really raunchy trust me you'll love it she goes oh yeah she goes i'll read it i go it's raunchy mom and then you'll get and then you'll get the elizabeth taylor the fat years so um Uh, i felt bad for her i mean you just things just don't hang well after a while okay well she was hang she was hanging around the house she sat around the house. She sat around the house there for you know, a while. No, they still show her, Seth. What was that? That 
diamonds for her perfume diamonds every once in a while that commercial will pop up oh does it still yeah every so often i'll see that i mean that stuff does smell good i totally forgot about that shit it smells good i don't think they sell it anymore though i i, I didn't know until until last night that, that, that keith is such a huge roddy mcdowell fan I, but i remember he's a big planet of the apes oh fan, my so god he's been gushing sense. about him for the last seven years well, I mean, every time, every time Roddy McDowell would show up on television when I was a kid, I had to watch him. I don't know what it is about him, but I just think he's fantastic. Everything he does. Well, he was gifted. I mean, he was talented. I, I mean, I, know, I, 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 can't, I, even sat, I even sat through Lassie if it's on because he's in it. So, so you liked Fright Night, too, then. I was just going to yeah. say he would have been in heaven if, if uh, Roddy McDowell had a weekly horror host show. I would be in heaven if he had a weekly horror show back in the day. I would have loved it. I loved all that shit. I wish I mean, somebody would do that. I have Planet of the Apes, the TV series that I dig out every once in a while and watch on DVD. So, because it's what, got Roddy McDowell in it. Planet of the Apes TV series. I love that Planet ran for of 13 the Apes. Too, I loved Planet of the Apes. That was just such a brilliant. Really, the whole thing, yeah. the concept. My, and, and, my whole, and my whole problem with the second movie of, um, you know, Beneath Planet of the Apes is that that's not Roddy McDowell. They got a replacement for him because that's not my favorite the one, right? of the apes yeah my the second one yeah my well, husband they, uh, i think that, that was one. uh james franciscus instead of uh instead I of heston it. i think yeah well heston's in it but he said he wouldn't come back to go what if you come back at the very end <laughs> like, okay. why didn't he come why didn't he do that 1970 i'm pretty sure the 1970 right um i i who knows i mean basically maybe it's because he didn't he did one and that was enough i don't James I mean, franciscus it was yeah which he was kind of like the it's kind of like i mean he was james franciscus was like charleston heston with better teeth and younger, <laughs> but they look very similar. They look very similar to each other. Yeah, that, that that's why they went with them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, with that makeup go, on, I could see the eyes because it's the eyes. Well, I mean, James and Francisca's after that went in went to Italy and did that Dario Argento film, didn't he? So, uh, Cat of Nine Tails with uh, him Cat and Carl Walden, really yeah. fantastic movie too. Yeah. Watch so. that one instead of Dracula. Precisely. <laughs> I still like the Dracula. I still, I, I mean, I know, it, I, I know where you're coming from, Joe, but it's, it's still mindless entertainment for me. Don't ask me why. But I mean, Matter the Hatter, I mean, Matter Hatter, I think it, I think it does it really well because you kind of get, and it's kind of weird because you get Bruce like um, cheering him on to be, you know, because oh, I think that's fantastic, so on and so forth, and then, it, and then it's like as he goes mentaler and mentaler, and then it's kind of like it kind of just. The story changes, and that's what I quite like about the Madness Hatter. Was well, he was the scientist? Now. Was was he already crazy, or was he just becoming slowly obsessed with this little girl? Basically? Well, he he's using mind control to control rats to bring him coffee. There's probably a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess he probably went off his kilter in there. I, it seems I I don't know if it's the t the th he definitely seems off kilter when he's presented when Bruce is in front of him asking him hey so what do you got for me uh, it's it's not he's very meek he's very insecure no it's not ready yet and yeah. it's it's one of those things where he def he definitely has problems with authority confrontation just uh, it seems like he is just off kilter just a little cuckoo and it's yeah. It's it's that line, you know, between genius and insanity. He's right yeah. at that line when we first meet him, and it's you could go one way or the other, and it kind of does show. If you get somebody like Bruce Wayne, who's, you know, 
actually giving you positive reinforcement. You can go one way, but then if something happens, it's negative. You end up going the other way. Um, I mean, he's clearly a genius. He's clearly extremely intelligent. He managed to make something work that should not work in any way. In any way, it doesn't make any sense. And as disturbing Uh-oh. as it is, he did take her out on a lovely evening for a lovely evening. Take it a night at the music park. Control everybody. Every, my, not, yes, it yes. Like, it was like, pre-planned. It looked like it was, it was a good time to be. It's like they like, they took him to an amusement park. They went on some rides. He he got to be big and strong by fighting off some attackers. And that convinced he them to go kill themselves. Knew everybody in town, yeah. so he could impress well, you know the young lady. I mean, I, I'm just trying. I mean, I was trying to figure out whether I guess she was a naive young woman. I guess they were playing on that. But well, that's that's why you use uh, what's her name, uh, Kimmy Robertson. Yeah, Kimmy, Kimmy Robertson has that voice. That yeah, it's like yeah, I said, it's, it's, Victoria, it's, it's Victoria, Victoria Jackson, isn't it? Uh, Kimmy Robertson is Kimmy Alice. Robertson. Yeah, that's Kimmy Robertson. Yeah, it's Lucy from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Okay, because she does sound like Victoria Jackson was around the same time, and she had. We were saying it last night. They they definitely yeah, it could go either way with it. Well, this brings us to Dreams in Darkness. Batman is incarcerated in Arkham Asylum after being exposed to this scarecrow's fear-inducing gas. Batman knows that the scarecrow has escaped for the second time and is planning to poison Gotham's water supply with the same fear-inducing gas, and he must bring himself to break the law and escape from Arkham before the scarecrow brings Gotham to its knees. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Dreams in Darkness? Didn't we just do this last month? <laughs> Scarecrow gets a toxin. It emits something, and everybody. It was something. Yeah, but it's, it. didn't we it's just a do story. this? It's a different huh? story. But oh, we did yeah, this. different story. Uh, no, it's the same. Uh, it's the same, same premise. Damn same premise. Thing they did a month instead ago. of Robin, it's Batman instead of it. I, yeah. See, just, see, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, it as much as you. Scarecrow yet again. Yeah. So the same. I, I think. I think they. What I quite liked it though. I think they went for a more of a noir feel about it. You know, with you the went, voiceover and the, you know, you the darkness. Batman in the asylum. I mean, that's a perfect this start. One, I'm like, how the this hell did this was happen? better done? Because why I, is he still know, wearing his cowl? When they was, when they did it when they did it the other time, I I I thought I thought it was terrible. I, I thought yeah. you know the last batch of episodes I I didn't like at all. I I liked three of the four, and I think had this been swapped with the one where robin gets you know gets gets the uh the fear gas i probably would have liked it a lot more but i just feel like this we just did this well this this one had more of a grand finale feel because you incorporate everything you get batman having the flat the hallucinations you get penguin you get riddler you get or not riddler you get two-face you get uh the joker you get all the villains showing up in haunting his mind and you get to have that that's true you do they all show up what did he say and, uh, I, I, and I love the animation when that all, when they all. Oh, yeah. The animation yeah but it also that reminds me of Batman, the computer game, because we get that as well. You know, the dream sequence uh, when the scarecrows. And- we're slowly getting, we're slowly morphing into Freddy Krueger scarecrow. We're slowly oh, getting man. more and more oh, of the man. visuals of that, so, which I appreciate. 
I, I do like that they do open with Batman in, a, in an asylum because it, it does open up with, it's kind of, yeah, like, like Keith would say, it's very noir. It's very double indemnity. Yeah. Right. You, know, you open up a friend, you, you start with Fred McMurray in the office and then you, you kind of, you kind of go from there and this is how I wound up there. So I do like that aspect of it. It's just, it feels like a retread at this point because he kind of has become kind of a one trick pony. I feel. Yeah. He needs the more. Scare well, it's, it's the scarecrow has always been a one trick pony. He's going to hit people with fear gas. He's going to make them go insane. That's, that's so this the is his the MO through the series basically. And that's kind of his MO just in general. I mean, it's the, the, the scarecrow is he's all about, he's got his fear toxin. He wants to make everybody go mad and he comes up with new creative ways to drop fear toxin bombs on the city or on, or on a specific target. But it's usually the same thing. He wants people to go mad and have a city of madness. Uh, so like, what was it? Dr. Bartholomew. I mean, it was the, this, yeah. this kind of summed it up for me as if a criminal could run an outside operation from in here. Jack Napier, Harvey Dent, Pamela Isley, or as you call them, the Joker, Two-Face, and Poison Ivy. We keep them all under constant watch. And what, and what, this guy needs to wake up. What, what I, where is he coming from? These, Has these he not watched the previous episodes? Has Clearly he, he has he not, not watched the previous episodes. Has he not, <laughs> he has he not seen Christian Bale's Batman? No, clearly <laughs> like, not. They, they do retread this in the um, second movie. Was it the first, the first or second movie? First movie, yeah. Batman, 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 Batman Begins. He's poisoning yeah. the reservoir underneath Arkham Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Shit. <laughs> That's uh, true. Oh my god, that's right. Even Chris, so I think Christopher Nolan must be a really big um fan of this episode, sort of thing. <laughs> or, or, or or just the scarecrow in these. The one, um, I did like that we were talking about because Joe is Joe and I were watching it last night, and you did say as soon as he gets into the asylum, he's there. Why didn't he take his cowl off? And I and I and I had seen the episode because I always go back and watch them twice. I'm just like, there is a decent enough reason that they give. And I thought it was a decent yeah. enough reason why they would keep yeah. it. Oh, I could slip into a canatotic state. He may be in yeah. it forever. He's lost in this psychosis. Well, you keep know what? They could have taken a peek and put it back. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> well, I mean, the I thing would have is, looked. I would have looked. I mean, I mean, I, I think I think if it's like you know, it's a plot device anyway. You can't unmask Batman, obviously, but. But then, but then again, I guess when you look at a, but if you look at Arkham Asylum anyway, when they do, when you do see the, you know, the villains in the prison settings, they are all in their costumes all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, because even well, even when you see like Harley Quinn or the Joker or the Riddler, they're always, I mean, they're never like they never take their costumes off. Then that's they're why in the street jacket, well. but they're always wearing the same pants. Is so you're, it's same, yeah. Is they this do the same Doctor Bartholomew? I guess it was Wolper that treated the Joker, Two Face, and um, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Is this the same premise? Uh, well, is it always? You guys would know this better than me. Is it always Doctor Bartholomew running Arkham Asylum? It, it's not. That's what I'm him. asking. It's not. It's not always him, but yeah, his name mm -hmm. is mentioned a lot. But he's a good. That, and at least with Frank Miller. Yeah, I, I think I forget if it's somebody, one of the creators or whatnot. But Bartholomew is a go-to name that they usually go to yeah. for a doctor in in the series. It's a, it's a it's a nice sounding you know authoritative yeah. name, Doctor Bartholomew. Yeah, Dr. Well, <laughs> Dr. Bartholomew Wolper, I guess, is in, the, is in bed. But, but it also Dark seems Night. to go along with like that 90s, 30s, or uh, 30s and 40s. Like when you watch yeah. old movies, there's always like a Dr. Bartholomew, such and such. So That's maybe it's true, because now that I think about so. it. Yeah, you're right. 
you know, uh, Dr. Bartholomew is a reference to Bartholomew Wolper, the Joker and Two Faces psychiatrist. So it is a reference. Okay, okay. It is absolutely a reference. Yeah. So, I mean, they, well, uh, I guess about, about unmasking them, they do unmask uh, the scarecrow when they put him away. They always right. unmask him. Yeah. He's the only yeah. one. Everyone else is just their face and Well, makeup. everybody knows who Poison Ivy is. Everybody knows who Jack Napier. Everybody knows who they are. It's not like they're anybody's really unmasked the villains. Well, in the case of the scarecrow, it's less of that he feels he's a scarecrow and more it's once he halluc- makes everyone hallucinate, that's the scare tactic is the mask. The scarecrow yeah. comes to life and becoming a, a, a larger than life monster. So yeah. once he puts the mask on, that. that's when he becomes a scarecrow, but he's not the scarecrow without the mask. It's kind of yeah. weird. Right. He's, de- he's just good old jo- Dr. Jonathan Crane. So you get that mask yeah. off. He looks like then a the ma- real and simple-minded then- nice guy when you take all that scary shit off of him, you know? <laughs> well, it's kind of weird because the, um, the mask draws him to pick it up and put it on. So it's right. like the mask speaks to him sort of situation. So it's kind of like, so it's like the mask has control of him, but he doesn't have control of the mask. So maybe sort of like Jim Carrey with his mask. <laughs> Same concept. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of along the same lines, really, I yeah. guess. Sort of thing so are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd amazing designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar they bring professionalism to a high standard and they're able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more affordable expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427 we love them so much here at the literary license podcast that we use them ourselves Okay, well, that brings us to what was your favorite episode and least favorite episode of this block? Mm-hmm. Starting with you, Vicki. You always do that to me. Well, mm-hmm. my favorite was Alice in Wonderland. I really liked that one. Not that it was so feel good, but I just, I liked what they did with the story. And let me see, as far as not liking any of them, gosh, I guess the I would say my least favorite would probably be The Clock King. Not that it was bad, but it kind of was goofy at first. It took a while to get going, I guess. Maybe more of a slower bird, but I would have to go with it. I liked them all, but least of all, probably the clock. And what about yourself, Joe? My favorite would probably... I'm, I'm stuck on this because it's either the it's either the, uh, the Clock King episode or the Mad Hatter episode. I love both of them so much. I think they're both really, really good. I think uh, were, this whole block was great. I just, this was this a really block good block. Was good. Like, like, like I said, even about my least favorite episode, it's really only my least favorite because I feel like we just did this storyline a month ago. Because if, if this was any, if the the scarecrow episode here, we if that were the the scarecrow episode last month, it would have been my favorite by far. Um, but here, it, I don't, I don't, but I. 
yeah, it's it's either Clock King or the Mad Hatter. It's kind of a toss up to me because they're both so good. Um, I really, really like both of them. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you. It's between those two, and I, I, I really don't want to pick. Um, it's hard. To, they're really, is, they're all good. It's really hard to ask. All four in this like. one are really, really good. It's just, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the only reason I, the only issue I have with the last one is maybe if they had put this either like earlier in the series or waited till next season. So we get a little bit of space between them. Uh, maybe it would have uh, like, yeah, oh, I, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Like I just saw this a month ago. That's I my see, only issue with it. With that. But uh, overall, I like all four. Uh, it's either the clock King or the Mad Hatter. I can't choose. <laughs> and what about yourself, Sean? For me, it was the clocking. That was my favorite one. I thought I've seen Jervis touch. I've seen the Mad Hatter in various forms of media. This was, it was like a new origin story for me. I know the clocking has been around forever, but it's just, it felt different. It felt different than everything that we've gotten before. On oh, this, it explains why year. he's so pissed. It does. And it's, and it's a very interesting character. Also, I do like the Mad Hatter one. Probably that's a solid number two. Joe, you've convinced me the uh, probably the least uh, strong one is the finale. Although it does have all the bells and whistles, it is recycling a story that we've had before. And it's the Scarecrow, it is becoming Why do they the law do that? returns. Uh, what, the, the Robin one? The recycling. Uh, you know, it's easier. I, don't think, I think it's, well, that's, I guess it's because when, when your whole thing is tear gas yeah or some kind of gas and that's your thing i guess you yeah. know it's, it's gonna it's gonna be kind of hard to kind of break yeah. away from that. Okay, the, joke, gotcha. the joker that's... is kind of the same way too i mean he has his his smilex or whatever you want to he, he has his version of his joker toxin that he tries to detonate on gotham in some gotcha. sort of way but he doesn't do it every single time no he doesn't yeah. that's 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 where like i have an issue with and, and also like the like i we haven't seen that much of the joker actually no. We've seen it. It feels like we have a scarecrow episode every month. <laughs> so I kind of feel like you kind of he's kind of wearing out his welcome in a way to me. Um, <laughs> I want to get into Harley Quinn meeting Poison Ivy. <laughs> That's what I want. Does that in the series? <laughs> I think they met in the series, but it, they uh, they their relationship did not go as far as it has in recent years. Yeah, wow. they haven't become all lesbianic with each other yet. Yeah, that, yeah. Show, that show on HBO is hilarious. It's one of the I've best seen, things that I've got. seen a little bit of it when Sean watches it, and I, it is funny as hell. I, I'm really very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite episode, I guess, is going to be Mattis Hatter, so because like Rod, the Roddy McDowell connection. But um, but as I said they're all very very strong, and I the only weakness I can see is the last one, and that's only because it starts out very very strong. And yes. it's so strong at the beginning and then it kind of like fizzles out a little bit because it's like and I just think that maybe if they were just a little bit more clever with the reasoning behind it. But, you know, but I do understand what you say about the scarecrow, because when it does come to the scarecrow anyway, when all this stuff's about fear, he's always going to have some kind of fear gas, unfortunately. Right. So but what it what becomes interesting about the scarecrow as you later go on is the character design gets better and better so it makes him more and more interesting so but we haven't gotten there yet so so at the moment he just seems like okay well this is my i'm a one-trick pony and this is my trick so all right keith well i got a question for you then 
Roddy mm-hmm. McDowell as a Batman villain. Do you like him better as the bookworm in the 66 series or as uh, the Mad Hatter here? I think he's better as the Mad Hatter because the bookworm is, I, I just, he just had those thick glasses. So he looked like Baird, um, Burgess Meredith in Twilight Zone. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> that was a badass episode too. Yeah. So, but I mean, overall, I mean, um, you know, I guess that's what I'll say. You know, as far as, but it's, I mean, to be honest, that, this is nitpicking it for me because I think all four episodes are very, very strong. All four, yeah. all four I know, so I was just... saying, I, I couldn't find one I really didn't really like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was a great block. You know, like last, last block, we had some, we I mean, they're all really good, but they're all quite weak, but this time they're all quite strong. So now you have to like look for the weak ones sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, let's get Lex to, both, I didn't like any of the four. So this was, this was. Mm-hmm. A lot better for me. So let's get to um, favorite character and least favorite character. And we'll start with you again, Vicky, because you love this. Favorite character. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Scarecrow because you guys all love him so much this month. I, I, don't, I don't know. There's just something about him. He's just, I don't know. He's he's colorful. I just like his sarcasm. I mean, I like how he's written. He might be into gas. He might be a one-hit wonder. Who knows? But I, I, I enjoy how he's written in. and I don't know. I think he's a fun character. Least favorite character. Oh, gosh. Probably the mayor of Gotham City. That guy is boring as fuck. <laughs> there really Hamilton. isn't much going on with the side characters, you know? I mean, but mm-hmm. as, as far as villains go and stuff, I mean, I guess, well, what do we call the secondary characters in this? I mean, I guess they're supposed to be boring. I don't know. I wish they would do more with some of them, kind of, sort of, you know what I mean? Just, I don't know. There's some, uh, some of them are kind of lame. I think, what they, I think what they do is that because they pop in and out, then I guess if, I guess it's like a Surratt painting that if you stand away from all the series, yeah, there's their their characters, you know, their personality. Again, you're asking emerge, me, and but... I really liked all of these episodes. I, yeah, I mean, it's hard so... to pick a favorite when I liked all of them so Did much, we... or someone I didn't like, because that was these were really strong episodes. I thought. Did we didn't really get uh, Gordon or um, or what's his name in this one? Um, no, uh, we didn't get Mr. Whippy Gordon in this one. No, so. Or the, uh, the, at the, the end of one of the episodes. The end, the end yeah. of the one. The, the clock king. Gordon's the, he's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I think that's it. Oh, though. that's right. He is. Yeah, he's there when the, uh, when all that They were searching through the, the, the rubble station. looking for clock king. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's the only time we see him. Yeah, this in this block. Yeah. So what about yourself, Joe? Who's your favorite character and least favorite character? My favorite would probably be the clock king in this one. Cause yeah, he's just, I, I love the way they, I love the, the origin story. I love, I, I really hope we get more of it. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, it, it's kind of what you get. Well, yeah. When you, when you get somebody who, you know, when you see the most successful people, they're the people who have things planned out ahead. They're the thing. They're the people who, um, you know, like you, you, re- you read about, uh, you know, like, like the rock, you read about like, the, like his lifestyle. He's very rigid with the things he does. Um, he, you know, and there's something about that that makes people successful. And it, you know, it's a little bit of an exaggeration that the one time 
this guy is told they just go have a coffee outside don't yeah don't be don't be completely so buy the book don't be completely so strict as the day don't be so ocd (laughs) his life completely (laughs) falls apart it's such a great story um and it does kind of fit the theme that they go with often uh you know, in, in the Batman universe, which is it really only takes one really, really bad day to turn you into a villain. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really yeah. like that about him. My least well, favorite character, I don't, probably, probably the mayor, because there's like, they really, you know, he really just exists in this, uh, in this episode, just to kind of move the clock Kings. Um, you don't do much with them though. Before. Yeah. They don't do anything with them at this point um there, there there's other episodes uh, like i it's kind of bland you know like I, I can't think of anybody of um yeah i can't think of anybody else either that 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 you know i i just like hearing kimmy robertson's voice uh otherwise she would be there too because she doesn't really serve any purpose aside <laughs> no. from being you know aside from being i don't, like, the I don't like the way i don't like that way she's drawn she looks like a she looks like she looks like a cookie <laughs> yeah, a cookie I see that, yeah. yeah it's like it's like someone's like put something you know those blue dots they put on you know on, on a cookie's eyes and it's kind of like well you eat her face <laughs> so. yeah like she like she's too like she's too cutesy and perfect yeah yeah um, well she's just, she's kind of annoying though as well she's like, she's like a bubble head yeah so. well i mean that's that's why you get somebody with that with that voice that that kimmy oh, yeah. robertson has because that's basically who she's playing in twin peaks too she's kind of kind of the bubblehead yeah. there too um because i so just yeah. think to myself is like if i fell in love with that i'd be annoyed within a year <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be having, I'd, I'd have an affair <laughs> so it's like what it's, like, it's almost like he's like you're courting her so you can have sex with her and after you have sex with her it's like god you don't please you don't please don't talk to me after when we're after, please don't talk to me after post-coitus <laughs> so, i don't want to hear your voice anymore <laughs> I mean that's 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 kind Unless of you're a bit of a pedophile and that might turn you on. <laughs> which I which you know I wonder about the Mad Hatter now. I wonder if he's kind of. I mean, how old is he supposed to be? I don't know. He had to be at least latter thirties, early forties. I would say, yeah. judging by his experience for work and his job. And she just was an innocent. I don't know. She looked like well, like when she got Alice in Wonderland, she looked like a twelve-year-old. So. Well, they, you know, they, yeah, they intentionally made her look like Al, you know, the Alice from Alice in Wonderland, uh, uh, from the Disney yeah. cartoon. So I, from the very beginning as well. So I think that's probably the reason that kind of limitates you a little bit. And if I remember, I think she's wearing blue for most of it too. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you know is the Alice in Wonderland cartoon. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's probably the mayor's probably my least favorite because it's just both of both of them in this case just feel like they were just there to be you know plot plot twist plot device yeah only (laughs) plot device and be be someone who's there to for you know to to be a victim what about yourself sean who's your favorite and least favorite uh my favorite for this is definitely going to be the clock king it was just such a breath of fresh air for me as a character i've seen i love the mad hatter usually i think he's he's one of the strongest of the bat villains but this one did feel like it was something new and I, and I really enjoyed the clock King. And in the same episode, my least favorite is the mayor. Um, you're, you're talking, this guy meets him on the train every day for a year, ignores him, doesn't bother learning his name and then feels the need to give him advice when he's in the midst of a $20 million lawsuit. 
that could cripple his life and company and says, you know what? Don't take life so seriously. You should go off. Because if you go, if you're too serious, yeah. they're going to think you're guilty. Well, that's, if are you in the middle of a twenty million dollar lawsuit? How do you know how you're supposed to react when you're being that, sued? That's, that's true. Dollars? You're telling somebody who's literally <laughs> on his way to court for a twenty million dollar lawsuit. Listen dude, up, relax. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. So for that alone, he is the worst character. And the fact that seven <laughs> years go by and he ends up as the mayor—horrible judgment by the citizens. You no, know I changed my I changed my mind here. Clocking's a hero. Yes. Yeah, yes. maybe you guys are right yes. on further, further. He is one hundred percent. And then at the end, the nugget that he drops. By the way, it was represented by your law firm. What? That's right. Yeah. That. Yeah. Maybe he had nothing to do with it. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. That's enough of a motivation to be like, no, I've you ruined my life, and it was your law firm that crippled me. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Get smashed by a clock. That's, <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why do villains take forever to spit out what they're going to do before they kill you? <laughs> well, I, I think, I, what, yeah, that, that's very Austin Powers, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, very oh, Bond, too. Very yeah, Bond, too. Yeah. Very Goldfinger. <laughs> by by the time by the time they explain everything they were doing, the, you know, the hero gets out and, like, if he's able to get his revenge. Sort of yeah. Thing. I mean, you know, I I, I'm convinced after this, the Clock King could be, a, you know, a realistic character in one of these, you know, in one of these Matt Reeves movies where it's just cool. a guy who's had his life ruined by, you know, either Batman or somebody. And you could have a really solid character there because yeah, it's like, no, dude, true. you told me to take it easy when I was being sued for 20 million. And I I'm a pauper now because of you. <laughs> Indeed. True. And my favorite character is the Clock King. I'm going to say that. So, I mean, I know people probably think it would be Mad Hatter, but it's actually the Clock King. And my least favorite has to be Alice. I just, after, by the end of it, I kind of just want to. Well, she's not much of a character really either. They've got her painted as a dumb, blonde little girl kind of thing. The other woman, Bruce's assistant in that one, I really liked. I liked her, yeah. Now, I would have liked it more if he fell in love with her. I probably would be able to deal with it a little bit better. Well, that would be a completely different dichotomy because that would make him more of like, you know, more submissive versus this woman who's clearly got authority over him. That would have been a completely different dynamic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this brings us to the end of Literature License Podcast. Next month, we'll be covering four more um, Batman episodes. We'll be covering the episodes Eternal Youth. And, God, can't, gotta get it down, sorry. We'll be covering Eternal Youth, Pershance of a Dream, The Cape and the Cowl Conspiracy, and The Laughing Fish. And, of course, we'll be continuing to make remake with DOA from 1941. Nine. 49. 49. 49. And DOA from 1988. And of course, our monsters and madness, which is Eminem, will be the Invisible Man from 1933, and Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man from 1951. And our Dark Shadows will be continuing, and we'll be doing the end of that. So we'll be coming to the final end of our Dark Shadows um retrospective. And there are small wonders in that to be had. Oh, and yeah. of course, Doctor Who continues with the Aztecs, which um premiered in 1964. And of course, our book to screen will be. Um, lovely, the lovely. Oh, sorry, I 
I'm one step ahead of everyone. Um, our book to screen is Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flagg and the, and the film from 1991. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week for DOA from 1949 and DOA from 1988. Good night, folks. Insane inside the danger gets me high. Can't help myself. Got secrets I can't tell. I love the smell of gasoline. I've always liked to play with fire